Welcome back, everyone, to Rice and Beans and Everything in Between. I'm your host, David Cruz. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at WepaPepa. That's W-E-P-A-P-E-P-A. And you can email me at riceandbeansforall at gmail.com. That's riceandbeans, one word, the number four, A-L-L, at gmail.com. So let's get started. Today's topic, do you speak enough Spanish? Many have been criticized for not speaking, quote, enough Spanish or not at all. And why is that? It's something that we're seeing that's popping up more and more amongst friends, families, co-workers, the media. Uh, why is it? Is it what defines us? Uh, if you don't, speak it. Is it a shame to the family? Is it a rite of passage? If it's not enough, which by the way, according to who, the, as I like to say, the Mira Mira Vitaminas Committee, <laughs> uh, who's checking on it? Who's deciding what's enough and what's not enough? Uh, does it, if it doesn't exist, should you be chastised for it? Mm, no. This is the top of a conversation that is playing out across America and depending on where in America you're at. With some second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation Latino families here in the United States, more and more traditionalists or more and more groups are not speaking Spanish as often as they or their parents or grandparents used to. Um, is it a fear of the language um, is disappearing, a fear of disappearance of the language? Is it a fear of customs and traditions not being there anymore? But we're finding it more and more, or at least I'm hearing it a lot more in groups. Um, we're going to try to dig into this a little deeper uh, to see if we can come to a consensus and maybe an understanding. Um, some you know, are saying that they're tired of being criticized for, quote, not speaking Spanish, or at least not enough Spanish. Others may say it's, you know, it's, as they say, it's it being como los americanos or gringos, depending on what part of the United States you're at and what Latino group or Latinx group you associate with, and a few that are just kind of stuck in the middle, and they know it's a de tough decision. It's complicated, or, or as my friend Marilyn would say, un arroz con culo. <laughs> so, uh, which, you know, if you want to look it up, it's pretty much something that just doesn't make sense. Um, but, you know, we're going to dig into it a little deeper. Again, there are groups of, let's say, whether you're Irish or Scottish, are they requiring you to speak Gaelic? Are you being chastised for not speaking Gaelic, let's say? Uh, and I understand they speak English as well. Or if you're Italian, Italian-American, you're not speaking Italian. I don't think I've ever come across anyone who is Italian-American and they're being criticized or critiqued for not speaking Italian. I mean, here in the Northeast, 
some of my Italian friends and co-workers, and what I hear is, you know, words like mozzarella, prosciutto, ricotta. Okay. I think there's a vowel. There are vowels at the end of those words. But they've never been criticized for it. It's almost kind of like, oh, that's so New York. It's so cute. But amongst friends and family members, God forbid you pronounce a word in Spanish that's incorrect, ugh, it's the end of the world. And I know many like that. So why is that? If we're not requiring it of other backgrounds, let's say, uh, other languages, then why are we so hard on ourselves? You know, and it's something that I think we need to look at this a little more and try to understand, or maybe not understand it. Who am I to dictate? Again, I don't want to be put in a position that I'm dictating what it should be. So you tell me. But I think we need to dig into this a little more. Let's take a peek at the history of Latinos in the United States. According to the University of Washington, Latin Americans have lived in what is now the United States since the 16th century. In the early 1800s, when the United States annexed Florida, Louisiana, and the northern half of Mexico, more than 100,000 Spanish-speaking residents became U.S. citizens. The 1850 U.S. Census, taken shortly after the conquest of Mexico, counted more than 80,000 former Mexicans, 2,000 Cubans and Puerto Ricans, and another 20,000 people from Central and South America. Today, the descendants of those 1850 citizens are part of a Latinx American population that has grown enormously. As of 2017, keep in mind this is as of 2017, so it has or could have changed, more than 58 million Americans claimed Latin American heritage. Now, personally, for family, or my own family, I am the youngest of five, so I didn't have to speak it. Each one, each one of my siblings actually, they spoke a little better and they do. They speak a little better than me. Both my parents are bilingual and they do speak English and Spanish. Obviously, um, they are more or they are comfortable in Spanish, so it's very interesting because they'll speak to me in Spanglish, as we say, but pretty much they go back and forth, Spanish and English. And keep in mind, for those of you who are bilingual, it is not easy. Um, They are conjugating um, the sentences and the words correctly. So they're going in and out of English and Spanish without missing a beat, Uh, and that's that's not easy. Um, But they they do, or they did speak to me in both languages. That's how I acquired the language. Um, English is my dominant language, but I do understand both languages as well. So when I did have to speak it, of course, whether it's just sibling, uh, you know, like ribbing or, you know, just, oh, I'm the youngest, so let's give them a hard time. Every time I spoke it, they would, you know, bother me. Ah, you sound so funny. That's not how you say it. Check it out. So, of course, that's going to lead to me not speaking it at all and thinking, well, I don't need to. Um, so that's that's always an issue. And I'm sure, you know, for many of us out there or many out there, um, it could be that as well. You know, I wasn't really big into, you know, listening to Spanish music. Uh, we had it at home, but pretty much the radio station 
always had English music on. My friends listened to English music. Um, I heard, you know, Spanish music outside. You know, in the Bronx, I grew up in the Bronx, so um, that's all I heard. Whether it's coming from a car, someone's house, a speaker on a fireplace. For those of us who do know what a fireplace, I'm sorry, what a fire escape is, excuse me, there were speakers set on them blasting merengue or salsa. So that's what, you know, that's what I heard. I didn't consciously turn to a Spanish station to listen to it. So it was never, it was never there for me. I was always English. Um, now, my wife, on the other hand, she is truly bilingual. She lived with grandparents that only spoke Spanish from Puerto Rico, only spoke Spanish, so she had to speak Spanish with them. And that's how she learned as well. Her parents spoke Spanish as well. Although her father was probably uh, bilingual as well, but I would say he was definitely English dominant. Mom, probably true bilingual. My mother-in-law, truly bilingual. Her parents only spoke Spanish. So my wife um, learned it, had to speak Spanish at home. She also lived in Puerto Rico for about a year or so, maybe a little over a year. So, of course, she had to speak it there in school and you know what she tells me is that was truly an experience because here she is she only spoke English or was educated in English up to about second grade or so they moved to Puerto Rico had to hold her back one year because she didn't know enough Spanish so to this day she says that I think it kind of threw her off a little bit she also moved a lot but um, so she's a little transient but I think that's, that was it. There was never a time that English or Spanish were a dominant or was a dominant language for her so that she can buckle down and really um, grasp it and become an expert in it. Not even an expert, but just that it is her dominant language. So she's kind of in between. And she says that living in Puerto Rico for that year or two speaking it at home only with her grandparents yes she learned spanish but i think she said that it kind of, it affected her acquisition of the english language as well but she had to and and there was no choice for her some of the words were missed i mean sometimes you know we miss a word here or there um you know and and it throws many of us off or we think it's the correct word but it really isn't and you know, to be honest with you, um, you know, speaking to one of my cousins that lives in Puerto Rico, was raised in Puerto Rico, moved here for a few years or so. He is one of the truly bilingual people that I know, knows both English and Spanish perfectly. And he was very honest. He said, hey, look, I'll say it. He goes, maybe many might not say it, but as Puerto Rican, <laughs> we tend to sometimes butcher some of the uh, the words or the language itself. Of course, they're going to be people who truly know Spanish perfectly and live in Puerto Rico, even here. We know that they, they do exist, but there are many who, you know, it's kind of Spanglish, whether it's a New York Rican accent, New York accent, maybe Chicago. Actually, I can't speak for Chicago because I don't know anyone in Chicago that is Puerto Rican as well. I have been to Chicago, but... Um, I, I won't speak for them. How's that? But here in New York, you know, we can butcher the, the language sometimes. Uh, lunch, lonche. I'm going to go hang out with my friends, hangando. 
<laughs> a locker for school. Uh, oh, el loca, not casillero. So we can, you know, we can butcher it. Um, it's actually kind of funny that we were discussing this the other day, my wife and I and some friends, that uh, this exact topic of some of the words that we come up with. Monton. Ooh, es un monton. Monton. What the hell is monton? I don't think that's in the dictionary, Spanish-English dictionary, maybe in the urban dictionary, but my assumption is monton, maybe it's referring to a mountain, as in a lot. Like, oh, that's a heap of, you're in a heap of trouble, or mountain. There's a mountain of rice on that plate. Un monton. Titere. Some Latin American countries, it's, you know, it's a puppet. For many of us who are Puerto Rican, you know, someone like a thug, a hood, most likely out in the street. Um, so, you know, we, I'll be honest, we'll, we'll butcher it a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we, we get it. Uh, and someone once told me, you know, if in your community, words like that, montón, hangueando, lonche, if it's used, it is not incorrect. So long as it's in your community, your barrio, let's say, you're correct. Now you leave that and you go somewhere else, then you might have to start speaking either Castellano or you know, Castilian or you know, formal Spanish, as we say. But um, within your community, so be it. That's great. You'll hear a lot of it. Um, my own kids, they are not bilingual. Yes, they took Spanish in school. They learn the proper terms. Great. They're not super comfortable with it. They will not speak it. And I get it because I wasn't too far off from that. So because I didn't have to and I was made fun of. So they don't. But they do understand it for the most part if they had to read it. And I think if they were exposed to it, like my wife and I, um, they would understand it a lot more and get it. But, you know, it, it's not forced upon us. Um, my wife and I, we're comfortable speaking English. At home, it's English. Everything's English because it's a dominant language for us. We're comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with it. Uh, it is, you know, the language that I was educated in. So at home, we didn't push it as much with our kids, which, you know, we should have. But we, we didn't. Um, you know, and sometimes there, my own kids are annoyed with us because if we're assuming someone speaks it, for example, if we go out to a restaurant or somewhere and we see someone that could be Latino, Latinx, we can speak to them in Spanish or assuming. The assumption is that they are Spanish, they understand Spanish. And my kids are quick to point out, you shouldn't assume that. And that's true. I get it. I understand because it would be the same thing for them. They're saying, why are they assuming that they know Spanish? And they understand it and they can speak it when they don't. So we have to keep that in mind. Every once in a while, I'll remind them, well, I heard, you know, this waiter, waitress, or someone speaking Spanish, so that's why I know. But if they don't, we say something in Spanish, they don't understand, they respond in English, so be it. It will be in English, or we will start out with English. Um, that's fine, too. But sometimes we do. My wife and I start out in Spanish, and they'll respond in Spanish. And that's more of a comfort level, kind of like, hey, we get you. We understand you. I got you, let's say. We understand you because, I'll be honest with you, sometimes we go to restaurants. There are not too many Latinos that show up in some of the restaurants we go to. The people who are serving 
the people who are managing, the people who are cooking, cleaning, and so on, they are of Latin or Latino background. And sometimes seeing someone there as an actual customer or patron, sometimes they like it, um, or at least they get in, they, ooh, they like it. So uh, my wife and I, hey, we've gotten a few things, a little extra, because of some of these places. Not all, not too many, but in certain places. And that's great. But yes, I, I, I think we'll have to scale back and follow what my kids saying. You know, don't assume that everyone speaks Spanish, that you come across that looks Spanish, because that's them, and, and they get annoyed with it as well. So I'm going to try to scale back and not make that assumption. Now, if it's not required, and you know it's just natural to speak the language, great. Sometimes, again, we'll go back and forth with the language itself. But there are many out there that it is not their first language. They do not feel comfortable with it or comfortable enough to speak it. And if they do, whether they're afraid of being ridiculed, I get it. But there are many of us out there who, again, if we are to assimilate, and it's been many, many, many years, and we have, I get it. But at one point, we might get to a point that it's not. The last name could be Spanish or Latino name, but you may not know it, and it should be okay with it. Someone once told me, or actually I think I heard it online somewhere, or maybe it was a program I was watching on television, and the young lady, was, they were discussing this. She was discussing with a friend of hers, and it was the same thing. They said, oh, you know, they, they were being ridiculed and said, you know, the person telling them, oh, you know, why don't you speak enough Spanish? You don't speak enough Spanish. So the young lady turned it on. It might have been her aunt or cousin or someone and said, well, wait, why don't you speak English? You're here. Again, We're I'm in New York. We're here in New York. Why don't you speak English, enough English? And turned it on her. Fair enough. Hey, fair game. If you're going to complain about not speaking enough Spanish or Spanish properly or you sound funny and they're going to ridicule you for it, well, you know what? Turn the tables. Isn't that fair? Then turn around and say, well, wait, why aren't you speaking enough English? Or why, when you do speak English, it sounds funny. How would they feel about it? Again, there is no official language here in the United States. I think there are certain states that have made it official, but as a country, we do not. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not having it, English being the official language, because that might open up a whole can of worms of, for those of us who do speak another language, whether it's Spanish, Russian, Ukrainian, Chinese, Japanese, Mandarin, Korean, Cantonese, Fujianese, Haitian, or Haitian Creole, or a form of Creole, French. It's okay. We don't want to be chastised or, you know, get in trouble because we're not speaking English. So I'm okay with that. It, it is a melting pot. It is a country of immigration. So I'm okay with it. The only question would be, should we be ridiculing someone for not speaking a particular language simply because their family background states or shows that they 
are coming from, whether it's a U.S. territory like Puerto Rico or different countries, Dominican Republic, Cuba, Albania, Russia, China, Taiwan, Japan, whatever it is, should we be ridiculing them for not speaking it? But in this case, we're going to be you know, focusing on Spanish because that's that's what I know. That's closest to my heart. That's closest to my upbringing. So let's not ridicule those who do not speak it. It's okay. And I think we got to get past it. And, you know, again, I don't think there are any other groups chastising their, themselves or within their, their groups because they're not speaking a particular language. But for some reason, we do. There are a lot of Latinos that get on us, especially the older ones, get on us for not speaking the language or not speaking it enough or speaking it with an accent. And I think we need to reevaluate that. And it comes down to, hey, we are recognizing the culture. We are recognizing the language. It's okay if we don't. If you want a different perspective on this subject or this topic, recently I was watching CUNY TV, that's City University of New York TV. You can YouTube it. Um, they had a piece. They profiled Latinas in the metropolitan area. And one of their pieces were on four women, hilarious, hysterical women, uh, successful women in their own right, um, that talk about this topic as well. Rachel Strauss Muniz, she's a comedian, producer, writer of the Hilarious Show. Ms. Yaya Vargas, Glorilis Mora, and Alana Johnson. And all four, they share their experiences with this exact topic. Whether it's their own family, friends, co-workers, their experiences outside uh, in their in their uh, professions. And it's very funny. It's very hilarious. Uh, YouTube it. It's on CUNY TV or just YouTube CUNY TV, Latinas. And you'll see it. If you want to reach out directly to them, Rachel Strauss Muniz is at Rachel La Loca and we are latinosoutloud.com. Ms. Yaya Vargas, you can reach her on Facebook at, at the Miss Yaya, and her Instagram is hola.missyaya. Glorilise, you can reach her at, at Glorilise Mora. And Alana Johnson, who is an actor, comedian, personal trainer, you can reach her on Instagram at it's Alana J. And check them out. They are very funny, but it's pretty much in line to what I'm saying, what I'm hearing right now. This has been another episode of Rice and Beans and Everything in Between. I'm your host, David Cruz. And remember, stay true to yourself, block out the static in this world, and more importantly, don't be a flat lever. Take care, and until the next time.